So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where we interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, we talk to treasurers about how they've built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Andrea Paulis, the Executive VP and Group Treasurer at CNH Industrial. Now, for those of you who don't know, CNH Industrial are a global leader in capital goods that implement design, manufacture, distribution in commercial and financial activities in the international markets. And everyone's like, oh, what really? What that means is they've got 12 brands and they make the vehicles that keep both agriculture and industry growing. So from tractors, combines, trucks, buses, powertrain solutions, big vehicles, basically. You've got massive manufacturers, 66 manufacturing plants, 64,000 people employed. And Andrea will tell us a lot more about that and how he first got started when he joined the group a number of years ago. But for Andrea himself, he's literally traveled the world. And we were just talking about this before we talked the, you know, introed the podcast, as it were. So this is one of the things that I noticed with Andrea. And before, when I read his resume, I was really impressed that actually some treasurers, they sort of sit in one place and then look at the rest of the world. Andrea's actually traveled and lived it through his treasury career. So without further ado, enough chat from me. Andrea, maybe if you would, can you take us back to the beginning of your career and how you first ever got started in finance and then discovered, luckily for us, the world of treasury? Over to you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. I started my career, in fact, in Paris in 1996 Mm -hmm. at the time for the Fiat Group. I just graduated from a university in Milan, and I decided that I didn't want to stay in Milan. I wanted to travel and I wanted to discover, have new experiences. So I went to Paris, which was a city I lived in before when I was a kid, and I started looking for a job there. It was finance, for sure. That was kind of what I studied at university, and I wanted to have an experience in finance, even though I have to say at the time, I wasn't sure that would have been my career going forward. I looked many different places. It was not easy. It was the first job I was looking for. And then suddenly I got a request for an interview from Fiat. At the time, France was the second market for the Fiat Group. It was a very important market. And they had, as a group, they had a, a big finance company based in Paris. And they were looking for junior people like me. So they asked me for an interview. It went well. And they offered me a job within the treasury team in France. It was new to me, I have to say. I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I was open to the opportunity and I was willing to learn. And I started there and I found it actually more interesting than what I thought originally. I had probably not a very real view of treasury coming from university. I think it was a very much kind of a different different view that I had in mind. Just to ask you, because I've talked to people about this before, that sometimes now people are getting an introduction to treasury through their university degrees, or sometimes it's actually a, a module within there, but you'd not really covered it, or this was brand new, you walked in, you what, thought it was just finance and a bit of trading, or what was your impression of it at that time? I think, well, it depends really from uh, universities, it depends from the countries, and I, I guess specifically to my point, in Italy, universities are pretty good, but they are very, very theoretical in the way they're studying. Right. So I don't think they really teach you uh, about what you're going to do next. I think they mm. give you a lot of background, which is very good. I also studied in the U.S. afterwards. And it's a very different methodology. But they don't really give you an idea of what's next. So when I went there, to me, finance was more 
like kind of a an accounting work, really looking at flows, making sure everything was working properly, and we were supporting the business, kind of a controller job. But I wasn't sure really, again, what Treasury was about it. That's when I discovered it, when I went and, and, and started working for Fiat. In very practical terms, I started as cash management, in fact, and I was working on a, on a small cash management as an assistant, a treasurer for the Belgium, for Belgium. Mm-hmm. So it gave me like an introduction, but it was a small group of people. So it allowed me really to look around and to see that there were other different things that the treasury people were doing. And treasury was a much broader experience than what I was just doing at the time. So that was really the first step. And then you made the move to your Paris. And then, as I said at the beginning of the show, you made a series of international moves. How did, you know, was that something they told you you had to do or you selected or how was the sort of transition? Was it you driving it or them, or the company, as it were? It's a combination of things. I always say that in life, there is a 50-50. 50% is things happen because of your attitude and your skills. And 50% of the time, things happen because of the opportunities that come. I was obviously willing to, to learn. I was willing to un- discover new things. And I was very willing also to travel around. So I did my part when I, when I got to Paris. I started working really as a junior person. I was open to do anything, including doing copies for other people. So really, I had no limits of what I was doing. And I think this allowed me to get in the right environment and the right attitude. And to grow. And then an opportunity came, in fact, because after just, I think, maybe a few months I was there, the person who was actually in charge of managing the position of the group in France went to maternity and she went away for two years, in fact. So they were looking for someone else to uh, replace her for these two years. And there were people that were more senior than me at the time. Again, I just started a few months before. And they decided to give that role to me. It was a challenge. It was a challenge for the company. It was a challenge for me at the time. But I decided to agree on that on that challenge. And it went pretty well. Mm. And and everything else came from, from there, that point. Because the company at the beginning asked me to stay maybe at least the two years that I was covering for that role in order for them to commit in, in making me grow in that role. And then not, not even after two years, maybe a year and a half, they actually asked me to start a, a program, a master program, full-time in finance, where Fiat was a sponsor of the program. And it was actually per se already a program where I, I had to travel because it was a program uh, in, made by three different universities, one in Italy, one in Monte Carlo, and one in New York. And right. so I had to travel between the three universities to, to complete the program. And with that, you then sort of you aligned, aligned that, as it were, to, to some of your other moves, because then you moved through Fiat within Turin, and then you did Dublin. How did those moves come about then? Again, after the master program, decided to specialize in something which was relatively new for Fiat, which mm-hmm. was structured finance slash securitization. Securitization was a, a new field, a new area in Europe, especially in Europe and especially in Italy. There was a law coming in 1999 when I graduated from the master program, which allowed for the first time securitization transactions. Fiat wanted to be ahead of the game. And I understood that when I was studying. So obviously, by doing this specialization in the master program, they thought I was the right person to look at these kind of transactions. Again, another opportunity came because in 99, Fiat bought a company, uh, which was called Case, based in, in uh, the US. 
Mm. And Case was a company which was active in agricultural business and in construction equipment business. Fiat also had a business in agricultural and construction, which was New Holland. They bought the company, they merged the two entities, creating CNH, Case New Holland, and they were willing to better understand the, the American company who was already working in these kind of transactions for since in the 80s, actually, was probably one of the first companies working in this kind of transaction. So they sent me there, they sent me to New York after the master, and before uh, they sent me to Dublin to work with a small team which was structuring securitization transactions in which TM and Fiat had a 48% participation. So they allowed me to grow with this team to look at certain transactions in Europe, especially one transaction in Italy, which was the transaction that opened the market in Italy. It was a 1 billion euro transaction from Fiat, so Fiat opened that market at the time. Okay. And then when I grew there for less than a year, they asked me to move to New York, which was really uh, what we were discussing. For me to look at the new company, understand what they were doing, how they were doing it, and also again looking closer at all the structured finance transactions they were, they were negotiating there. So it was an opportunity. Again, I was willing to travel and they were willing to let me grow in different locations, in different environments. So that was my next opportunity after the master and after Dublin. Were you then starting to manage people as well or were you up to in that sort of journey? New York was again a treasury vehicle, so it mm. was not a big office. We were probably five, six people. I was mm. not the treasurer at the time of that company. I was kind of the second in charge, even though there were formerly mm. no roles apart from the treasurer. But I was sent there kind of being his right arm. So I have to say that I created myself a position where I was helping him in managing people. Uh, mm. The treasurer at the time didn't have too much time to, say, to, to focus on that. And so I was willing and able to do it. And I think that also helped me in the next move in the group when the group understood that I was able to manage a team. It was a mm. small team in New York. I was, not, I was not given the power of doing that formally, but I was, I was able of doing it. And then, so you were in New York and you were doing this role as very much more capital management, some cash management in there, but there's sort of a very capital markets intensive type role. And then you made the move and, you know, just for the, again, for the listeners, you've, you've stuck with the group all the way through this and some really interesting times, but then you then made the move back to Europe or then this came about, you know, talk us through these moves because fascinating big roles and things like that. So your role's growing and growing sort of thing. Yeah, the movie was growing. The role was growing. After New York, I think that uh, obviously I was expecting to have a role into being a treasurer in one of our treasury vehicles, which were around the, the globe. We had many treasury vehicles. And actually before me, uh, other people had followed the same, the same path. Uh, what surprised me really was that Normally, people like me were sent to smaller countries, smaller markets. Mm. Since it was really the first time that we were given the challenge of managing a company and managing few people, probably the group thought that giving you the responsibility over a smaller market, if you were doing a mess, it would have been a limited mess. After two years, I was in New York. I was again called back in Torino, in Italy, uh, where the headquarters of Fiat were at the time by the uh, the time group treasurer and he actually asked me to move to london now london was the uh, location of the main treasury vehicle for fiat treasury vehicles in fiat are companies that are there purely to manage liquidity so mm. access funding from the markets 
cash management, provide liquidity to our companies, keep the relationship with the banks, with investors, with the agencies. So that's really their pure their job. They, they, they are not in that they are not industrial companies. And and London was the the biggest company Fiat had at the time. I mean the position managed by that team was pretty 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 sizable. We are talking about mm. billions. All the bonds were issued by that company. Most of the bonds, I would say, were issued by that company. It was a pretty big team. Eight people were based in London, and that was the front office of the company. And another 12 were based in uh, Luxembourg, where the back office, middle office, accounting were based. There was also responsible of the office in Luxembourg. And so there was not really a CEO of the company. They asked me to move there in London. I was, I have to say at the time, uh, I thought that the challenge could have been a little bit too much for me as the first time. Uh, no one before was given that opportunity. And I think that was for probably the first time I got something that helped going forward in my life. I remember I went back to Torino. They made me this proposal. I kind of had some doubts, I said, mm. maybe too much. And I remember, I remember a dinner with the, at the time, group treasurer. So he looked at me and he said, well, I'm giving you this opportunity. Therefore, it means that I trust you for what you're going to do. Are mm. you telling me that you don't trust yourself and so I'm wrong? And obviously, uh, when he said that to me, I felt that I had to take that opportunity. Uh, it's something mm. that had to come. Uh, it gave me a lot of trust, to be honest, but also self-confidence to myself. And so I, I, I decided to accept. So again, with someone listening in today, and if they're, you know, how did you come to that decision in your head? You know, i.e. there'll be someone listening today going, crumbs, I'm being offered that same opportunity. How did you reconcile that? You know, how did you think, right, you know, the worst case is it goes wrong and I come back or you know, what were you, what was the thought process before you went, you know, by him saying, you know, I trust in you to do it, what internally with you? comes back to a, a recurrent theme that I already mentioned even before is that, I give myself, and I think through for everybody, it's a 50-50 target at the end. Mm. Uh, 50% it's your attitude, it's your skills, it's your willingness to understand and listen, it's your willingness to, to do things. And then 50% is the opportunity that comes. I, I think the fact that I was proposed to work in London to the main treasury vehicle of Fiat was an incredible opportunity that probably would have, given, would have been given to me just once. Uh, mm. If I had said not at the time, it doesn't mean that I would have probably lost my job or anything else, but maybe I would have settled for something less. Mm. That opportunity was very visible in fiat, allowed me to be visible uh, with a number of people in the management. And I was still in a kind of a medium-sized management role, but I think it allowed me to to show that I was capable in doing things and I, I could grow further, which then happened. So I, I like to mention a quote uh, said by Walter Chrysler, there's about opportunities that they they come and when they come, you need to grab it. There are many people that don't see these opportunities coming and so they let them go. Uh, it mm. is to me extremely important that you are able to look at opportunities, to understand when they come and, and seize them uh, when they come. Mm. And then you, you were taking on a lot more responsibility. You, you sort of roles grew and grew and you, know, you were both in London, Luxembourg and then you made the move to Turin and things before and getting to Chicago. And this is this is why I wanted to sort of get on to the next things. But you, you carry on. I mean, explain, you know, you, you really grabbed it by, you know, you didn't let it pass you by. You grabbed the opportunity and still, you know, relatively young age, you were, you know, managing big teams and real challenges. 
Yes, the move to Turin, uh, that was actually interesting to me because mm. when I was in London, the person who helped me grow over all that time, the time the group treasurer, left the group. Mm. It, was, it was 2007. We had many changes in fiat. We went through a kind of a cycle there since 2004 fiat was not in very easy timing we had changes the very high level and the, and the group treasure which became at the top at that point CFO decided to leave the group so there was a change and for me it was not an easy one because for the first time I thought I had lost my mentor somehow right but the person who really drove me through this growth and so I went to Turin one to meet with a new person which was coming from the group it was in a Another person working in treasury was asked to become the group treasurer. And I met with him and I thought that actually I had to rebuild everything from scratch. It was not the case. I think the person knew me for what I had done in the previous years. And again, an opportunity came. The person was managing financial markets for the group, which means centrally, which means really managing the debt side, managing the fixed income relationship, managing the rating agencies, managing the bank relationship. And left the group as well. And so that person asked me if I was interested in uh, joining Torino, actually, the headquarters for the first time. And I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a good opportunity for me to, to get a little bit more central in the corporate. And, and I, had, I decided to accept. So that was 2007. So 2007 to 2011. Now, in that period of time, so those four years, uh, two things, two exceptional things happened. The first one was the big financial crisis in 2008 and 9. It was, I, I think, per se, was the most important experience I had to manage. Uh, as I told you, I was in charge of the financial market. So really, I was in charge of liquidity. Fiat was coming from a long time of its own personal crisis. It was going up in ratings. We had just reached... Uh, an investment grade, and uh, and then uh, the financial crisis came. I mm. remember that it was a, a very quick change for us. We had a good performance, we had good liquidity, ratings going up, then suddenly everything changed in a very quick time. And so we had to react immediately. That was, a, I think, a team effort from all finance, from the group treasurer to me as a financial market person, my team. And I have to say, we were able to manage that crisis pretty well. I think that the reaction time we had was, was incredibly fast. We were able to secure funding transactions, which, which really ensured the group to have its own liquidity to, to navigate uh, mm. during that time. By the way, Fiat lost its investment grade immediately. So it was the typical fallen angel, just, I think, six months operating on investment grade. And it was, as you can imagine, those times was extremely difficult. But it proved that the school of treasury in Fiat, and especially the way we have been managing banking relationship over time, was paying out. For us, the banking relationship side is a long-term work is not like a short-term uh, interest. Uh, mm. and so some of the banks that have been helping us over time were able to help us even at that time. And then we were able to help them when they needed us at the later part of that year. Uh, so again, a very, very intense experience. I don't know if I would like to repeat it. I think like anyone yeah, else. Once is enough. I, yeah. Once is enough, absolutely. But it, it yeah. really allowed me to to grow further. And the second one was the, the step that came before I changed again, which was the demerger. In 2010, Fiat decided to split its non-automotive business. So as you mentioned, the kind of agricultural construction, commercial vehicles, 
businesses out of its automotive business. In 2009, Fiat bought Chrysler, and so the automotive component was becoming too relevant, too big for the rest of the business. So they decided to split in two. And they asked me as head of financial markets to work in certain flows. One was the capital structure of the new groups, so the debt component of the new groups, which one of the two was not even in place in 2010. So we had to work on something of a group that was not even there uh, with no ratings, nothing. And we were able to do that with a panel of banks. And then making sure that there were no negative surprises on the rating side, both on the remaining entity and on the spin-off entity. So I worked on this process, again, another pretty complex one, a first time for me, but we, we were able to work on it pretty successfully. And so when we got there, I agreed with the treasurer, group treasurer at the time, to, that I wanted to, to change my role and I wanted to get a little bit closer to the business. That since then, I always had been corporate, full corporate person. So I felt I was missing really the, the business side where the needs are coming from. And I wanted to have a better understanding of that. So I asked the, the possibility to move closer to a business. And then in 11, I remember in January, uh, the group treasury asked me to move in Chicago, where the treasury of the uh, CNH so the yeah. agricultural and construction equipment business at the time was based. It was yeah. a segment of the group, but it was a, a full entity with its own governance because that was a listed entity in New York. It had its own governance, its only management team, treasury team. It was a little bit more independent than the other businesses. Yeah. And so I accepted and I went there. And, where you went. and what, what was it like, you know, again, you're now big leadership role so 30 plus people you know you've come from italy you've you know you've worked all the way across europe and suddenly you're thrown in the deep end in in the us how was it different in terms of you know what was it like to manage people there and you know maybe did you find it a contrast from managing people in europe yes quite a lot i think what helped me is the fact that it was not new to me to now start in a new environment i had been in new york before i studied in the u.s as well hmm. and i kind of the attitude the working and living in different places i think i had the right attitude but i u.s and europe especially italy are very very different the way that mean? people well i mean starting from the people the way the people work i think u.s is a much more structured environment people like to work by rules it's a very structured work day it's a very actually precise work day you schedule your day from the morning to the afternoon you have all your in you know, a agenda all your meetings all your calls uh, everything you have to do and you try to stick to it which to me looks very efficient, to be honest. I don't want to generalize too much on that because I don't want to say that Americans are like this and Italians are different. But in Italy, it's a much more destructured. So we talk a lot, we meet a lot. We tend to be a little bit, I would say, in generally speaking, a little bit less efficient. On the other side, I think the plus is that when you get to a point where maybe you have to get rushed into certain things and there is no time to structure the process, then I think this is where Italians actually can excel because they are used to that. So uh, in terms of emergencies and uh, really rushing into so finding solutions, then I see I see where Italians can 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 really find the solution easy, in an easier way. The people are and, and and this is the mentality I found a little bit in mm. the various in the various locations. Even the way you manage people kind of follows that. Uh, you cannot manage in the U.S. a person like you manage in, in Italy or in Europe. Uh, it's a very different way. 
So, I mean, uh, yes, it was different. I don't think at the time I found it particularly difficult. Uh, I just had to adapt a little bit myself to the new environment. And I, as anything, any, any other time, I had to learn about the new environment. So it took me some time, in any case, to kind of learn about the new role, the new responsibility, yeah. and the new attitude. And you say about the working, you know, that working structure, that's fine. But then also you're in a big leadership role. How did you sort of lead that team? Again, this is to give some of the guys, you know, the tips. You know, they're, they're listening today. They might be in a, you know, making their first step into leadership of a much smaller team. But, you know, were you very, right, these are the goals, guys, and this is how you're going to do it and everything else. And we'll do that by 9 o'clock, that by 9.30, because that's what the fitted in. Or what was the sort of, way that you managed sort of thing and led a team like that? What were the key tips for leading a team at that size? Yeah, not particularly. I mean, these are styles. I don't hmm. think there is a style. In my style, I like to discuss. I like to listen. I think it's more mm-hmm. like a team effort. What I don't think is right is to... On the on one side, I think the team likes to see you that you are part of the team. You are part of the mm. discussion. And you are not just someone that is, sits on the top and the decision comes there and and you don't even have to think about it. It's what it is, right? So it's good that you 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 feel that you are part of the team and they feel that. On the other side, you don't you don't ever ever to feel hesitant. I think mm. that would be extremely wrong if you hesitate. If you look undecided, then you provide uh, uncertainty to the team. So uh, I think it's good. It's always good to listen. It's always good to talk to the team and with the team and to listen to their solutions. Maybe they are better than than yours. But at the end, you need to make the decision. Never allow the team to get too far away because otherwise you kind of lose control. That's what I think. Mm. And then, you know, the role itself transitioned back to London sort of in most recent years, sort of the past, what, six years or so. Again, why was that? Or sort of talk us through. Well, another change. In 13, we merged CNH, which was, as I said, one entity, one group owned by, at the time, the holding was called Fiat Industrial. So the other business, all in the other businesses, we merged CNH with Fit Industrial, and we created a new entity which is called CNH Industrial, which now owns all the entities, all the segments. And this new entity is a Dutch entity, an NV, domiciled in the UK. So London is really headquarters. And when we did that, there was a lot of discussions happening to decide people that should move to London to the headquarters. And they asked me, since I had people, I had been living there before, and I had people of treasury working in London, they asked me if I was willing to move here. Mm-hmm. And I said that it was absolutely fine to move in London. To me, I think London is a great place, especially in my job. If I think about it, all the banks, most most of the banks that we, we work with uh, really follow us from London. They do their management decisions in London. They do their credit work in London, even even if they are not... UK banks or European banks. So London is a great place for me to be. And I became the group treasurer of the new entity, the Sinich Industry. So now my team is, you remember I said 35 people when I was working in CNH. Now it's 120 plus people localized a little bit everywhere in the world. And looking, looking at the future, and as you see Treasury developing, and we talk about this every week on the show and things like that, where have you seen the greatest developments in, in recent times and see it going to the future? What, what's the key thing on your mind? I think it's increasing uh, complexities, really. And probably this has to do also with the changes in 
technological evolution. The speed of everything has, has changed completely from when I started. Technology allows you to do much more in much less time, but it also gives you many more challenges that I didn't have to think about when I started. I didn't see people think about when I started. I'm talking about cybercrime security, frauds that can happen, geopolitical issues that now Treasury manages because, it, for example, the insurance market allows you to cover for other risks that were not covered at the time. So it's really the complexity and the number of issues that you have to manage is different from what it used to be, at least the perception I had when I started working. Mm. Seemed to be much more concentrated on liquidity, cash management, risk management, meaning interest rate, effects, maybe commodities. Now it's a much more complex issue, number of issues. And in a way, uh, that makes even things more interesting. And on the other side, it allows Treasury to still be a strategic partner of the management. I think mm. when we have all these issues, uh, like the management I see here likes to get back to Treasury and, and ask for Treasury support for things that mm. may not be a full Treasury activity. So what do you see as the biggest challenge then for Treasury in, in that sense? What's the, what are the dangers? You know, we, uh, we hear every week about cyberware. We hear about all these different things. What are you keeping a... Uh, looking over your shoulder and about thinking, oh, hang on, guys, we're going to well, keep an eye on that. Yeah, the challenges are the same thing as the opportunities. I think they come together. I mean, when you have an increased piece of things, when you have an increased number of, of challenges, of issues, it's much easier to make a mistake. It's much easier to make something wrong. So you mm -hmm. also need to increase your focus and being extremely careful in what a team of 120 people does around the world because you can have issues everywhere, anytime. And so you need to make sure that you have full control of those processes. You need to set up a structure which works without uh, asking you to leave 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? You need to be yeah. able to relax and sleep. So the, the controls are important. You need to be able to set up a structure that controls risk. You need to be able to set up a structure that is able to act quickly, to react quickly. And that, for example, can, can stop fruits. Maybe you are alerted of a fraud, if you act immediately, you can stop that fraud because before the, the fraud can, can mm. be successful, right? And these things keep, keep happening all the time with the technology changes. Uh, it's becoming more frequent that you get these kind of things. Cybercrime, again, something that you can look at it from a treasury perspective or an insurance perspective. So these are, I think, uh, challenges becoming more and more frequent, more and more fast. And with yourself and, and you know, now you, you, you've grown your team management, if you like, now, you, you know, over 100 people that you lead and you sort of look towards, mm -hmm. obviously you've seen talent at all levels, you know, junior talent, mid-level, senior level. But what are your thoughts around talent management and things like that? When you, when you meet people for interview, are you looking for the first thing at the game must be technical expertise? That's the number one thing, or is it an attitude or... You know, again, for people listening, they're thinking, oh, you know, what should I be looking at if I'm interviewing people? What are you thinking about all the time? What's what's the sort of, what's your catchphrase, if you like? What What's the thing that's really sticking with you in your mind when you're re recruiting? Um, maybe it's me. It's always attitude. I think that attitude made a difference when I started. Uh, it allowed oh. me to grow. And therefore, I think it's extremely important. Now, obviously, it depends on who you are looking for. If you're looking for a person that maybe 
if there needs to be there for a senior position, obviously you are also looking for a decent background, technical skills, and an experience. But if you're looking for a more junior position, I think the attitude is to me the most important thing because mm. I started by learning on the workplace. I remember someone at the university saying, don't lose too much time in the university. Go and graduate as quick as you can, because every year you lose is a year that you lose at work in the workplace. And I think companies in general, they like to train uh, and grow their own people anyway. So yeah. uh, the right attitude to me is the most important thing. If I see that a person is quick, is smart, is willing to... Uh, accept its role and its seniority and is willing to put himself or herself in a challenge, then I think that's the most important thing. Anything else can come and will come, by the way, because every company anyway is different in doing things. Uh, I don't expect the way we work in Treasury is exactly the same other companies work in Treasury. And this is what I hear when I talk to other treasurers in other companies. And with yourself, let's sort of, we've we've done all the way through your career and we've done you as a manager leader and then we're bringing it back down to you because as we this is you know as we wrap up today's show I want to sort of focus in someone will look at your career on LinkedIn and they go do you know what I want to I want to have a profile like that you know what are the the main tips you've, you've given that I think there's a fantastic one and that'll stand out definitely that you know not to be afraid to you know take those challenges is there anything else you think is important that people should think about you know all the level seniority or whatever it might be. What are the other tips you'd give? Because we'll give you a LinkedIn profile in the show notes, but mm-hmm. what other final tips would you give to people? Yeah, again, as I, I repeat myself, I think attitude is very important. Accepting changes is extremely important. We have training with my group, uh, not only with my group, I mean, the company here mm-hmm. continues training about accepting the change. Uh, which is probably the, the most complicated thing for someone. And then I would say also networking is important. Maybe that's one of the things that I I didn't think it was so important at the beginning of my career. Yeah. Uh, I always was fully focused on my job. Um, and I think, in fact, being able to connect with people, maybe people like you, people that gives you different views, yeah. uh, allow you to grow even outside of the company, that gives you a lot. And yeah. so... Uh, this is something else. Networking for me is incredibly important as well. Amazing. Oh, I think that was great. I really enjoyed today's show. Thank you for your time. As I say, if people want to connect to you, we'll put your details in the show notes. Andrea, just suffice to say, you're an incredible treasury professional. You've got this amazing career. I think people will see that when they look through your LinkedIn profile. They go, wow, and it blows you away. So you know, just thank you for giving us your time today. And if you want to connect this right to be as part of his network then feel free to that's thank you very much thank you for the opportunity thank you sir thanks for the time